0: Santa Clara kicking off the month of April with a 3-0 defeat uh, to Porto. Since then, they beat Estoril 2-0 uh, via goals from Ricardo Antonio and Kayosuke Tagawa. Uh, after that, they drew 1-1 to Arauca. Uh, Kayosuke Tagawa once again equalizing uh, in the second half in a 1-1 draw. And then putting the Santa Clara up with a brace within 33 minutes. Uh, the second For the second straight year, Santa Clara going for a Japanese player. Last year, it was Hidamasa Morita in the January. And this time, it's Tagawa, it who's really stepped up as the team's attacking Talisman. Um, Santa Clara have lost two of their leaders in attack this season uh, with Krisan. Um, and Carlos Junior both moving to Asian clubs, but ironically, it's been an Asian player, a Japanese player specifically, who is uh, scoring the goals for Santa Clara at the moment. Curious, what have you made of Sagawa so far?
1: Yeah, absolutely blessed. I think um, it's always difficult for us to um, to evaluate this kind of place because, of course, we don't we don't follow that much the, the Japanese league. And um, and you always need to wait a little bit to to see. But if we look, what he has done, he scored five goals so far for uh, for Santa Clara since uh, since he arrived, and he's just um, continuing the good job that Santa Clara is doing in in the Japanese market. So an absolute uh, great player for the Portuguese league. Um, and, and Santa Clara, like you said, they lost a lot of, of important of, of important players, starting with uh, with uh, Chris, uh, which was a very very important player for Santa Clara. Um, they need they needed like a little bit Portimonente, like we talked before. They needed to in, reinvent themselves um, over the season because they 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 had major loss and um, and Tagawa was was one of these good surprises because Santa Clara is in my opinion a, a team that is very stable in the way they they function um, as a team and as a structure so it's a very nice it's a very nice club to to work they had with Mario Silva or they found with Mario Silva a coach that um, that has that that something special for for teams like Santa Clara to, to make a good uh, a good uh, a good job they they had with Daniel Ramos an amazing an amazing coach for them and um, and they struggled a, li- a little bit to find to find someone that could actually follow the footsteps of Daniel Ramos work and i think Mario Silva is one of them and if if we look back Santa Clara and this is impressive um, they didn't lo- they they only lost three games in the last 15 uh, against Benfica Porto and Sporting so i think that tells a lot about the quality of the team that tells a lot about the quality of the work at, um, that that uh, that has been done so far in the in the And I would put Tagawa just right in the middle of of that good job that um, that is doing. I have to say that they lost uh, their uh, sporting director, Diogo um, alma that uh, that was like planning all all the football, all the all the um, the major transfers of Santa Clara over the last few years. Um, he's now at Vitória Guimarães, I think, um, and that was a major loss. And he's one of the um, big uh, guys that made this team function. But uh, but again, if we look if we look at the history, um, Santa Clara always did very well to get to these alternative markets and get, like you said, in the Masamorita, which is an established player by now in, in Portuguese football. And I'm pretty sure that um, Kiyosuke Tagawa could be following the same steps like his um, landsman Morita.
0: Absolutely. Santa Clara finishing sixth last season, and they look for a very impressive uh, upper half finish when you consider the circumstances. They're going to be playing the current team who are in sixth place, who uh, all but guaranteed to finish sixth place, which is Vitoria de Guimaraes, Where do you see this game going between Santa Clara and Vitoria?
1: With Vitoria Guimarães, it's always difficult to tell where this game is going, to be honest, because I told you before, uh, Maritimo is is a team that has to deal with major uh, expectations every year because of their context. I would put Vitoria Guimarães even higher on that list. I think Vitoria is, um, is a team, in, is, is a very special team in Portugal because I know uh, you certainly know in Portugal you have three big teams that have 90% of the fans in Portugal. And Vitoria is like a very special case because um, the people in the city, they are truly Vitoria Guimarães fans. They have like always a lot of fans in their stadiums. And of course that brings... Uh, more expectations, and Victoria wasn't able in the last I mean, twenty, thirty, forty years whatsoever um, to to be able to to stand against that expectations. They had one year when when they ended third. They played the playoffs of the Champions League back in two thousand nine, but then they were relegated uh, one year. So it's a, it's a, it's a big team. It's a big team with everything that surrounds the team, but that struggles every year. But again, Victoria with the squad they have this season, they will finish sixth, maybe fifth again. I told you they play against Yolvisnda the last uh, the last game. let's see how that goes. they, they weren't able to to beat Tondella this, um, this last journey. So um, Victoria is always very difficult. I, I would say if I, if, I, if I wouldn't think too much, I would say no Victoria will win. They play at home they will have 15, 16, 17, 17, 17, 17, 17, 17, 17 fans. Against a team that have their season done, Santa Clara has nothing more to win or to lose. But Vitoria can never—you you can expect everything from from Vitoria. They have a good coach, they have a good squad, but they are not able to put the quality on the pitch um, every Saturday or every Sunday. It's a—it's—it's uh, it's a team that uh, that can uh, that can give you everything from good to. Too bad. Right now, they have. They if they want, if they want to keep the dream of the fifth place alive, they have to win against Santa Clara. The pressure will be there. The pressure will come from the stands. Absolutely. If the team is uh, on the level to to keep up with that, I'm not sure because they showed more than once that uh, they are always good for for a bad surprise for their for their own fans. They have a good team. Uh, Oscar Stupinian is, uh, is playing a very good season. He will leave Vitoria. It's not official yet, but he will leave Vitoria at the end of the season. Uh, so he's playing his last games. And um, I think Pepa needs to rely on him. But they have a, they, they have a very interesting squad with... Uh, with Rochinha, with Ruben Lameiras, with the young players from from their from their youth, like uh, Miguel Maga, who is playing a great season, um, the right wing, um, they they have they, they have a, a good team for Portuguese f- football, but the pressure is always too high for Vitória, and. Um, I have a few friends, they, they are Vittoria fans, and I, I always tell them, you are not better because it's your fault, because you, you put too much pressure on the shoulder of the teams that they can't stand. And that is Vittoria Guimarães, I think. So looking at this game, you will have a good team like Santa Clara, which is very comfortable on, 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 on the table. They have nothing to win, nothing to lose. They, they can play their free football, their free game. Against the team that is always under pressure, and even more if the fifth place is is still possible, possible, which which it is. So, if Vittoria can put their best game on the pitch, they can win. Absolutely, they are a better team than Santa Clara. But on the other side, if they start to feel the pressure it could go backwards very very uh, fast
0: absolutely it'll be interesting to see what happens between this season and last season's sixth place teams uh this past this this past season and and this season fifth place teams taking on each other Gil Vicent against Pasos de Ferreira drawing 1 to 1 um i got to say i think that apart from Sergio Conceição i personally would give Conceição the coach of the year for what he has done at Porto but Apart from them, I apart from Conceição, I feel like arguably the two uh, two coaches who could be, you know, right below them, below him, are Cesar Peixoto and Ricardo Suarez. I know we've talked a lot about Suarez and the work he's done at Julie Sense, but Peixoto as well has done a good job at this Paso's team. When you look at where they were at the start of the season, um, I'm curious, what have you made of... Peixoto's time with the Beavers so far
1: an absolute surprise I have to say and um, I have to swallow some of my own words (laughs) and I'm humble enough to admit it because I didn't thought that much about Cesar Peixoto to be honest Uh, first of all starting with with his career as a coach it was uh, not phenomenal at all if you look back to what he did at Chaves, at uh, Academica, Morerense. Morerense didn't have a lot of time, to be honest, time there, but um, it wasn't brilliant. So um, when, when he was hired by Passos, which is a team that is known to, to have an eye on very good young coaches, there's a lot of them. Uh, Paulo Fonseca, uh, we, can, we can't forget Paulo Fonseca. Um, Vasco Siabra also, you have, you have a lot of good coaches, young coaches that started at Passos and when they went with Cesar Peixoto, I was like, mm, I'm not sure um, because I, I didn't thought much about Peixoto, but looking back to what he has done and he's doing at Pasos, I have to say... Hands up, very surprised because not only he got the winnings and the points to put Pasos on a very, very comfortable situation, but he did that or he got the points and the wins by playing good football, which was something that we never saw on Cesar Peixoto's team. Um, They were always struggling a lot to um, to get their games and and when you see Passos, you see a team that knows um, what they want, that knows how they play, and, and, and they play every game like that. So Cesar Peixoto, for me, putting Ricardo Suárez on the side, because Ricardo Suárez, of course, due to the the fifth place, due to what he has done in the last couple, in the, in the last years in Portuguese football, I think is a surprise, but not that much. But Cesar Peixoto is, for me, from all the coaches in Portugal, the biggest surprise of all, because he's finally showing what a lot of people thought about him when he started his coaching career, Um, but he struggled to show that. And of course, Passos, we have to say, um, comparing to the other teams that he coached, Académica, Chaves, um, okay, Morence, not that much, but Varzim, they were were very unstable uh, teams. So he, he probably didn't have the the tranquility to to make a good job. Pasos is always a team that gives every coach really good work conditions that give them um, tranquility to work and he's showing his quality. So um, I'm very surprised with Cesar Peixoto and I'm happy that he's showing because he's a nice guy. He's someone with a um, a fresh culture, good communication, different from what we talked before um in Portuguese football. So um he he doesn't he doesn't like to play that 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 communicational move, games that, that are so usual in Portugal. So I'm very happy that he's finally showing his quality as a coach because I would like to see Cesar Peixoto for a long time coaching in, in the Portuguese league. In Passos, maybe some other bigger teams than Passos, but absolutely Passos with Cesar Peixoto is one of the best teams that we saw this year in Portugal. And that uh, has a lot to do with Cesar Peixoto himself.
0: Passos set to take on Tondela on Monday, whilst uh, Gil Vicente will be going to the Estadio Jose Alvalade and facing off against Ruben Amorim Sporting. And Sunday's action kicked off with a draw between Estoril and Belen Estoril... Uh, taking the lead going into halftime with goals from Rossier-Lorenz and Andre Franco. Uh, two players, interestingly, who would actually be sent off later on uh, and who will miss the upcoming match against uh, Romeo Romario Baro, a player who would have perhaps been expected to start in one of their places, also getting sent off. Um, so, you know, it, in a fiery end to the game that saw Belenich side... Uh, storm back and snatch a two-two draw in Kaishkaish. Um, I gotta say, this Bell and Belenenses team—I've almost grown to, you know, respect them a bit. I know they're the most, ho- the most hated team in uh, in Portugal, but uh, they just do not seem to know how to die. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I
1: couldn't say better like that. Uh, you, that, that, that sums up perfectly the, the reality of, of Belenenses, Sad. They, um, they are, indeed, right now, probably the most hated uh, team in, in Portugal because of uh, everything what happened uh, in, in the past. Um, they separated from the real Belenenses. And they are they are considered like just another company that exists to make money and and play football. Um, and like we talked before, they seemed dead at somewhere at the middle of this season. Everyone agreed that uh, Belenenses will uh, will go down and probably they will close doors if they go down to Segunda Liga. But here we are, three games left and Belenenses SAD is two points from salvation and that has a lot to do not with the fans because they don't have much they they play almost every game in front of one or 200 people that has nothing to do with the people that right now are uh, taking care of Belenenses SAD because it is something that is not healthy and is not good for portuguese football but that has to do with the team they have good players. They have very good players. They have um, players who know how to fight this kind of situation. You have uh, the captain, joan Tavares, who, who has a lot of years in Portuguese football, who knows how, how to take this kind of situations. You have uh, Carrasa, the the, the right, right-wing defender, who has a lot of experience. You have Afonso Souza, the number 10, which is... Um, a very, very, very good and, and interesting player. Um, you have Rafael Camacho, which of course had had have his best time at Sporting, uh, not at all at Liverpool, of course. But but um, but he's a player who, who who knows how to decide games that can make the difference. Um, so you have uh, you have a team that is very interesting and that refuses to die, like you said. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Belenenses would actually made it after they were completely um, down this year, because and and we have to respect them. We really have to respect them as a team because they also uh, changed the coaches a few a few times this season. So it was not not easy at all. And if we pick that moment against Benfica, um, I would I would say. 99% 99% of the other teams would have like died completely after that game because what happened there was of course not football, they lost seven zero in but uh, with nine players, two of them were goalkeepers. So it, it was not about the game but what it meant for for a team like Pelonenses to 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 have to go to that game. And I think if the players weren't mentally on top. If they hadn't like such experienced players like they had, they would, a long time ago, uh, be relegated. But this team knows how to fight back. They have the quality in their team and that's why they are still fighting for for their lives by now. So I'm not a big fan of Palenenses neither, I have to say. it, Not not against the players, not against the, the football they play but uh, what it means for Turkish football, this kind of situation. But I learned to respect the team, absolutely, because what they are doing, especially in this second half of the season, is phenomenal. We have to say that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Belen Saad and Tondela currently occupying the relegation spots. Tondela... Uh, grabbing a 1-1 draw at home against Vitoria de Guimaraes, despite missing key players such as Manuel Hernando, Neto Borges. You know, Tondela, they have definitely struggled with the threat of relegation this season, and they've got a new manager in Nuno Campos. Uh, what do we make of this Tondela side? What What do you think has been their downfall? Do you think they have enough in the tank to just avoid the drop?
1: Difficult. There's one thing Tondela has and that is, they have, they have soul. You know, how is it in Portugal, they have alma. Um, they know how to fight, they know how to survive. It's not their first uh, season struggling, it's not their second, it's not their third. Since they play first league, they had um, very dramatic finishings in the league with, um, with Pepa. Uh, for instance, um, where they were a little bit like Belenenses, almost dead, and then they came back. So, Tondela knows how to deal with this uh, with this moment, so to fight for their lives uh, with three games to, to go. They had a very difficult season, and I have to say, I think they lost too much time with Paco Ayesteran. Um, It wasn't working from the beginning Um, and I think they, the management uh, realized or or, or it took too long for them to realize that it wasn't working. And, um, and when they decided to, uh, to, to sack Paco Aesteran, the season was already in, in their going and, and they had struggled to, to find their places. I think that was their biggest mistake was to stay way too long with uh, with Ayesteran, nothing against Paco Ayesteran. it didn't just it it didn't work from the beginning so they, they didn't realize that because because Tonella is is one of the good teams also it, that are from the ones that are fighting there if you look if you look at the at the squad you have um, Thiago Dantas who spent last year at uh, or, or the half of the season at, at Bayern Munich Um, Salvador Agra, which is a very experienced uh, player in in Portuguese football, Um, very interesting player like Daniel dos Anjos, uh, Eduardo Quaresma. So you have the potential to to actually um, make it. And I think the experience that Tondela has, now that they have some kind of uh, calmness uh, after Nuno Campos came and, and, and sort of went to understand the team, um I think they have they have the, the, the stuff to to stay in the first league because they have both 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 things. They have the, the, the players for that and they have the experience of the other seasons to to fight against um to fight against relegation. Uh, but but I'm not sure if it's too late for Tundella. That that is my concern about Tundela. And they are I told you before they are um in that dreamland of the final of of the cup against um, against Porto um, I'm curious to see how they will manage to to deal with poor situations I'm not I'm I'm absolutely sure they will focus on the league um, like I told you before but it all depends on what Aroka, Morerense, family come are going to do because if they manage to get their points, um, then it could be it could be difficult for for Tonella because again, for me, the big problem of Tonella this year was uh, staying too long with with a technical team that didn't work, and uh, and um, it was it was just too much time, and they are maybe maybe paying that price now.
0: I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's going down, and who's going into the relegation playoff spot? <laughs>
1: Okay, if I had to bet, I would say, I would say even if they are fighting back, Belenenses will be one of the team there is going down. Together with together with together with Tondela, I would say. And I'm not sure, but I think Aroca will have to play the playoff because I think Morenense has the stuff to, um, to make it and to, and to be safe for Malikão, I don't think they, they will have problems because, like I told you when we were talking about, about Family Malikão, they have, from all these teams, for me, the best team, um, and they will manage to, to stay. So I would make this switch here between Aroca and Murerense and keep the rest.
0: we be very interesting to see uh, what happens in the final weeks, no doubt um and you know next week we are going to be seeing Belenenses taking on Braga a Braga side who uh will finish fourth place as usual but who have i think have had one of their best seasons in recent years uh and i have to give credit to Carlos Carvalhal they have uh they did not spend that much in the summer transfer window you know, they were forced to sell players such as Fran Sergio and Ricardo um, uh, mainly, you know, going for cheap young players. And yet uh, they've beaten Benfica, Sporting, uh, and now Porto, ending Porto's 58-game unbeaten streak in the league. Uh, it almost seems like Braga have been more of an opponent for Porto than uh, Sporting and Benfica in terms of head-to-head. Uh, direct clashes. They really have been, in many ways, Porto's bogey team. Uh, curious, what did you make of this this game?
1: Braga, um, I, I, I had, or how can I tell you that? Um, I thought over a, a period of time this season that Carvalhal was not doing uh, what he actually could do. Now, looking back, and and seeing what Praga actually has done, I I actually changed my mind um, because if we look on um, on what you said, they lost important players, they lost key players, they didn't hire uh, like players at the same level of of quality to to come and and take the place of a, of a friend Sergio of uh, Wenderson Galeno that left for Porto. And what they did specially um, using their youth academy was sensational. I think if we look now at Praga and we look at a player like Vitinha, everyone agrees right now that Vitinha is a great striker, a great forward player. But someone had to pick up Vitinha at at the at, uh, young squads of Praga and made the player he is now. And Carvalhau made that. And Vitinha is the most yeah, important player this season from, from the young that came, but he's not, he's not the only one. You have Rodrigo Gomes, which is a phenomenal player and only 18 years old. Um, you have uh, Gorby Batiste who played... A few games uh, this year you have you have Miguel Fale uh, you have you have a lot a lot of, of young players that Carvalhal picked from the from the young teams of Praga and actually gave them uh, the space in the first in the first team so if we look back and we see that Praga will finish fourth which is the normal place for Braga I would say but what they did in Europe Going until the quarterfinals of the Europa League and losing against Glasgow Rangers in the um, aftertime, uh, it, it's actually a really good job what that Carlos Carvalho did. Um, we we have to actually say that and admit it. Uh, Carvalhal um, is is that kind of coach that he, he he thinks that the people don't give him uh, enough credit, and maybe it's true actually uh, because he is actually a really good coach and and he's doing a very very good. Uh, job at Praga and, and like you said Porto is definitely an opponent Praga likes if I'm not mistaken with the game tomorrow Porto didn't won the last five games I think in um, in Braga so they they know how to play the big games also not having the same uh, arguments as the big three so Carvalhal deserves absolutely all the credit um, for the work he's done uh, or or he's still doing because what he did this year picking up a team that lost a lot of important players like he remembered also yesterday he said I, I lost like very key play- I lost key players not only the ones that were um, that played all all games but also players like um, João um also left the team uh, and, and he managed to pick up the one that 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 were staying and pick up the young the young the young guys from 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 the squad teams uh, below and make a really good teams and then you have like players like Ricardo Orta which is by far i would say the most outstanding player they have uh, great season they played so yes i would say Carlos Carvalho doesn't get enough credit and i think this is a good moment to give him all the credit, the credit he deserves
0: Final match of uh, the match day saw uh, Boavista taking on Sporting, Sporting needing nothing less than a victory to keep their title hopes alive, and they got that 3-0 win um, in a match that saw them play without their starting right wing back Pedro Porro or either center forward uh, Paulinho or Islam Slimani um, for varying reasons, but getting a much-needed victory after their loss to uh after their loss to benfica and yeah it, i think that they needed a response like this i don't think it's going to be enough to keep their title hopes alive but uh overall a much needed response uh curious do you feel that there are any things that ruben, ruben amorim has potentially cost his team in it with his stubbornness because i, I do think that um, it's, no, it's no secret, it, it's no coincidence that um, that Marcus Edwards, a player who has kind of, I won't say struggled for minutes because it's hard when you join a new club in January, mm-hmm. but a player who has not been given a run of starting spots, three starts for Sporting since joining from Vitória de Guimaraes, three Man of the Match awards. Um, and you put that in contrast to someone like Pedro Gonçalves, who despite Sporting's win yesterday was probably one of their worst players. Uh, you know, do you feel that Edwards should be starting the final few matches of this season? Yeah,
1: it's, that's, that's one way to, to see it. And I agree with you about the stubbornness of Obenem which is, in my opinion, um, maybe one of the things he has to change. He, he, has, he has a lot of talents he has he has a lot of things that that makes that made him and makes him a, a really really good coach but he's still a young coach and there are some things he needs to change and that is for me one of them he um i would say he trusts too much on some some of the players that obviously obviously gave him the title last year like um, like Pedro Gonçalves, uh, like Palinha, uh, and, and a few others. Um, but I think the biggest problem of Ruben Amorim is actually to be capable of adapting not only the team, not only the players that are probably demanding more more time. Marcos Edwards is definitely someone that showed quality every time he played. Um, But also, the sporting team is is a very predictable team. And it went well last season because everyone said, okay, everyone knows how sporting plays, but we can't stop them. That changed. And in my opinion, the biggest mistake Ruben Amourinho made was not necessarily on the players he picked up for every game, but the incapacity of changing the, the way the team plays, um, mm-hmm. give 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 the team a plan B or plan C, um, just just to be to be unpredictable for for the opponents, and and of course it worked very well last season. Uh, it was everything new. They had the dynamics, of course, they had the momentum, um, which they didn't have this year. So that was for me the biggest, or is still is the biggest problem of Ruben Amorim he needs to adapt, he needs to change, he needs to realize, okay, what worked last season is probably not working that well this season. Um, But of course, we we cannot forget that um, Sporting won two titles this year. They will finish second in the league. If we look uh, at the last 20 years of Sporting, that would be a fantastic season. But of course, they won the title last year, so um, they won more. And for me, the biggest problem of Ruben Amring was, or still is, that. Um, and of course, Marcus Edwards. It's just, uh, it's just one of the players. What What is happening with Slimani is something that is causing some trouble to Rubin Amring, even if he says uh, that it, that it's not so. Um, it's the first big problem he has to deal with as a coach of a big team because these kind of things happen in big teams like Sporting, Benfica or Porto, and he's having this, this situation now. Um, and if you think that he said, okay, that Slimani is not working hard enough, it's not giving to the team what he wants a sporting player to give, then you see on the other side players like Pedro Gonçalves that are not giving the team what the team needs, but he's still playing. Even Mateus Nunes, which is a sensational player no doubt about that he's not bringing what he should be and and they are still playing so Ruben Amourinho needs to um, needs to how can i say that he needs to figure out what line he wants to follow and and uh, and realize what is working or not in the team and in the way he's managing the team so interesting times ahead of gubernamani because last year was a dream this year was the year after the dream and the results are not sensational but still they are, they are not bad they will finish they will go straight to the champions league they want to title so ruben amorim still has the credit i'm very interested to see what's going to happen next year if ruben amorim doesn't change doesn't um, yeah makes like an upgrade to the sporting team i think he will start feeling the struggle not only from from the president, but also from the stands, from the fans, from the media, uh, which have been very in love with Ruben Amourinho um, so far. So I think he needs to deliver and to show something different next year because otherwise I think um, all the good that he has done so far will start to fade out.
0: Yeah, you mentioned a player Matthäus Nunes, who I, I do agree has been disappointing over the past few months, uh, after a bright start to the season. For me though, he he definitely showed his quality in that 3-0 win against Boavista before uh, going off early due to an injury. Uh curious where what you where you stand on Matthäus Nunes. Do you feel like he's ready for a big move? Uh you're seeing the likes of Manchester City linked to him. This is a player who, let's not forget, was not starting for Sporting until uh, this season and who has really you know, burst onto the scene. Uh, yeah, I'm curious, where do, you, where do you stand on Mateus? Before,
1: be, before I go straight to that, um, I, have to, I have to say that uh, the president of Sporting, Frederik Varandes, um, told in an interview, I think at the end of last season or, or two years ago, when exactly before 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 when ruben Amorim was hired uh, they asked him um, isn't isn't it too much money that that you are paying for a coach and Frederico van said two years ago um, don't worry mateus nunes will pay ruben Amorim and much more so he knew two two years ago which kind of player he had there um, and he he showed he showed it definitely of course um, the last few months uh, few months were not brilliant from Mateus Nunes, but they weren't brilliant from Sporting. Um, so I think he just kind of uh, went with the flow with the entire team, to be honest. But again, when, when he was um, at the Portuguese national team, even, even not being a starter, he, he delivered. And he definitely, definitely has the quality to make that big step in my opinion i think he should make the this big step um already now so next season uh, i think he he's still young i think he's 23 24 23 i think um i think it's a good moment he he had he had he had a good run at the, at the start of the season he had the experience in the champions league he, he's now part of the portuguese national national teams national team which of course gives you another um, another reality check, you know, when 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 you when you suddenly uh, are training with Cristiano Ronaldo, with Bernardo Silva, and all the other superstars. So I think uh, even ment- mentally, and the game yesterday was a very good example of it. So he he was not playing well for the last couple of months, and then you see a game like yesterday, and he's there. He delivers, even even not being brilliant. He delivers and, and he scores and, and he makes the team uh, play. So, yes, uh, going straight to your, to your question, I think he has the potential to, maybe not immediately, but, but definitely to make a move next season to a big club and to start again from scratch there in another dimension, in another comp- competition, in another league. But it definitely has the potential for that. That I'm, I'm absolutely sure of that. And Frederico Varandas was was absolutely sure when no one knew Mateus Nunes and he said he will pay what we paid for Ruben Amorim and much more. So, yes, Mateus Nunes is one of the really, really good players we have right now in Portugal and, and in the Portuguese national team. And I think the, the future will be very bright for him.
0: Yeah, definitely looks set to be... Uh, a busy summer in sporting in terms of sales, I do think there need to be some incomings, especially in the center-forward position. I think you compare center-forwards in Benfica, likes of Darwin Nunez and uh, Roman Yaremchuk, Gonzalo Ramos. Looking at Porto, you've got Tony Martinez, Meritaremi, Eva Nielsen. You know, compare that to sporting, and you've got Paulinho, a player who let's face it, has not been worth the money. An old, aging player uh, who I think has definitely has his value, but for me just has not been worth the the price tag. And uh, looking at the other option, obviously, Islam Slimani being brought in uh, in the January transfer window. And it's a bizarre story. He is the reigning striker of the month in Portugal and, yeah, uh, looks set for a uh, summer departure after coming to blow with Ruben Amorim. Uh, curious, where do you stand with the Slomani situation?
1: Well, first of all, difficult to say because I'm, I'm not there on the everyday work of sporting, so it's always very difficult um, to... Yeah, to, to give a, a very objective opinion about it. And I learned over, over the years, over my journalistic years, to be, be very careful about this kind of situations because we never know the real truth, you know, and, and we only can, can um, give our opinion uh, about that what, what is public. And what is public is that Robin Amouri said that Islam, Islam Slimani is not training hard enough. He's not being the professional that uh, he wanted him to be and that sporting needs. And not being there on the everyday basis, I have to believe Ruba Namurin. Um, and if that is so, I can understand his decision. Uh, on the other side, every time uh, Slimani played, he delivered uh, and he scored, and he was important for the team. So you have these two sides that are actually not comparable. That, that that seems like antagonic. So you you have to to build an opinion on that. So money delivered every time he played, but if the coach says says he's not he's not giving 100% um, and and that he 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 can't find a place for him in, in, in the team if he doesn't give 100%, I have to believe it. It's a very difficult situation. Um, Ruben Amorim was open about it and I respect that it's not common uh, especially not in Portugal that coaches um, speak freely with the with the media about this kind of situation he he gave his point of view um, Slimani didn't told that much yet about it uh, so I have to believe Ruben Amorim about Paulinho if Ruben Amorim Here's what you say. He would profoundly disagree with you. He he already had some kind of well, I would I would not say fightings, but disagreements with uh, with the journalists about Paulinho because they say what you just said, and I actually agree also with you. Um, I mean, it's a 29 year old um, player that came for a lot of money, and he he just don't deliver what you expect from from a striker. But Ruben Amorim. Told more than once that Paulinho is so much more for the team. That if Pedro, um, if Pedro Gonzalez uh, was a key player last season, it was also because Paulinho, when he came, was very important for him. Um, so Ruben Amorim is uh, very fond of of Paulinho, and he defends himself until the last day he will stay in Sporting because he says that Paulinho is not only about scoring goals. It's about what he gives to the team, um, the, 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 the meters he does, the, the the options he gave to the midfielders. Um, I kind of agree with that, but on the other side, I also agree uh, with the people that say that it was just too much money for this kind of player. So, Pauline, uh, it's a difficult topic to 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 talk with uh, Ruben Amoring about it, because he will not say that that that, it, that it's too much money for for Paulinho that it was too much money. Um, actually, just to finish this topic, when uh, Sporting was champion last year, uh, in the in the celebration moment, Paulinho was talking with the reporter on the pitch, and Ruben Amorin came, interrupted uh, interrupted the moment and said in front of all the cameras, uh, "Tell them now that you were too expensive." So very very uh, yeah. Difficult situation uh, when we talk about Paulinho and what he means to to Robin Amorim.
0: Duarte Montero, an absolute pleasure to have you on, my friend. Definitely will not be the last. Uh, Anything else you want to say?
1: Well, no, first of all, or again, thank you so much for having me here. It was, well, more than an hour of chat. It was very, very pleasant. It's always nice to to talk about uh, Portuguese football, which is something very close to me that I do on my... Everyday basis, but in Portuguese now in English, it was uh, definitely a challenge, but it was uh, it was very very nice, and I hope that the people that uh, that hears us can yeah find some interest in Portuguese football. It's we have a lot of, of problems, we are not by far the best league in the world, but we are a very interesting league with very interesting players, very interesting situations that if people uh, pay attention to it they will uh, they will see it so on my side thank you again for having me it was a pleasure
0: absolutely thank you so much once again take care